Good morning, Lighthouse. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. It is so good to be with you guys. Um, as Doug said, my name is Trey Moore, for those that don't know me. Uh, I live in northern Illinois with my wife, Meg, and Lighthouse is almost starting to feel like a family to us. I was doing the math, and I have been here six times in the last two years, so some of you might just be getting sick of me by now, but I love being with you guys, and I'm excited to continue our series, What's the Big Deal? So Jesus is risen. He's alive. Amen? And what's amazing to me is so many times we go through Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, and then we start the next sermon series the week after Easter. But there is so much that happens in the 40 days between the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, and that's what we get to study today. That's what I'm going to talk about, is this, we call it and beyond in the What's the Big Deal series. I'm going to look at these 40 days. So if you got your Bible, uh, open to Acts chapter 1. It's on your phone or your Bible. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and then we're going to go back through the Gospels and look at these 40 days and the impact that it made on the disciples. I believe that the Christian faith, the foundation of our faith, is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? He is alive, and that is such good news to all of us. But I also believe that for the Christian faith to spread like wildfire— we needed the 40 days where the disciples had with Jesus, and I think this is pivotal to the spreading of the gospel, and I think it's pivotal to us as believers as well. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to start here in verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we're going to look at this text in Acts chapter 1, and I want to draw three things that Jesus did during these 40 days, and then we're going to kind of look through each one of these three things. So the first thing we see is in Acts chapter 1, verses 3. It says, he presented himself alive. Jesus came and he, he showed himself to the disciples. Literally, he said, touch me, see me, I am alive, I've risen. And he also presented himself to hundreds of others. The second thing that we see here is he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Acts 1-3 as well says, speaking to them of the kingdom of God. And then the next one that we see is he ordered them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So before we dive into these three, I'd like to pray for us before we go into this text. Father, we thank you that you not only presented yourself to these disciples during these 40 days, but Lord, you have presented yourself to us, that you have shown us who you are in your nature, both through your word and through your Holy Spirit. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that you would open up our ears to hear from you. We ask that just as the disciples uh, overcame doubt, as they saw you and experienced you, this morning, Lord, would you do a work in our hearts through your spirit. 
We invite you to come, Lord. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start at this first point that he presented himself alive to them. And I, I think of the disciples and where they were at when Jesus interacts with them for the first time. And the, the thing that I think of is they had to be full of disappointment, right? John Maxwell says that the disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. And what was the expectation of the disciples on Palm Sunday, on the first week of what's the big deal? They were going into Jerusalem. People are waving palm branches. We're taking over Rome. I hope I get a seat at the table. This is exciting. And a week later, they watched Jesus die on a cross, crucified. He doesn't get the crown that they thought he would get. He gets the crown of thorns. And they watch their rabbi, their teacher, their friend suffer and die. You want to talk about a gap between expectation and reality, but what they didn't realize was the kingdom reality looked a lot different than their expectations, didn't it? And so this is where we see the disciples as we pick up in John 20, when Jesus finds his disciples. Let's look at John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, everybody say locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is incredible. The disciples have locked themselves in. They're afraid. And Jesus goes past their little security system and just shows up. I'm so thankful for that. I don't know about you, but there are parts of me that I can lock and, and kind of guard myself from the Lord, the swamplands of my soul, these nasty fleshly places and God goes right around my barriers and goes peace to you and he meets us in those places when he said this he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them again peace be with you as the father has sent me even so I am sending you Jesus says this to them and he ends up breathing on them and they receive the Holy Spirit and he says, I'm sending you, sending you, go, I'm sending you. And it's interesting because in this text we see that Thomas isn't at the big event where the disciples see them and Thomas doubts and says, I don't, I, unless I really feel him and touch him, I don't think Jesus is alive. And we continue later on and in this next slide here we see eight days later, the disciples are together again, and Jesus is about to appear to them. So this was the first day of the week when Jesus appeared. So Jesus uh, raised from the dead Sunday. He appears to them Monday, and now we look eight days later. So we're eight days into our 40 days with Jesus, and I'm thinking, what was the last word Jesus said? He said, I'm, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And I'm thinking eight days later, John 20, verse 26, is going to say this. Eight days later, the disciples were preaching throughout Jerusalem, right? Eight days later, the disciples were proclaiming, Jesus is alive. Ivan wrote in here, eight days later, the disciples were baptizing Pontius Pilate himself. Revival's breaking out. They saw Jesus, they're going out. But what does it say in John 20, verse 26? It says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, and although the doors were, what does it say? Locked. 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. One week after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the disciples were not changing the world. They were in a locked room, afraid. And I don't know about you, but this is actually encouraging to me that Jesus continues this process and he continues to pursue them and he continues to reveal himself to them. And it's this process that they go through. So our first point from Acts chapter one is Jesus presented himself to the disciples through the 40-day period. And Jesus wanted to work through their doubts. Everybody say doubts. He wanted to meet their doubts. And as I studied this and I took time to look through the text of these 40 days, one thing I noticed, a common trend, is that in every single gospel, it talks about the doubts of the disciples, not before the death of Jesus, but actually after they saw the resurrected Christ, they still struggled with doubts. And I don't know about you, but I think if I would have been there and I would have seen Jesus, I wouldn't have doubted. Right? We look at this and we think, how could they have doubted? So let's look at a couple of these examples. Uh, The first one's in Matthew 28, verse 16 and 17. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now it's important to note this word doubt, there's I believe, I don't believe, black and white. This word doubt actually means to go back and forth. So is it really true? Is it not? And they're kind of, they're not fully I don't believe that this is Jesus, but they're also not fully accepting this new reality that Jesus has risen from the dead. And there's this wavering between those. I looked up that word some, and believe it or not, it actually means many. So there were multiple disciples that did not believe. And I think Thomas always gets the short end of the stick, doubting Thomas. But there were multiple disciples that didn't believe and were struggling with that back and forth and that doubt. Let's look at what Mark says in Mark 16. It says, afterward, He appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So we've seen John, we've seen Matthew, we've seen it in Mark, over and over this unbelief with the disciples. And it says it in Luke as well, in Luke 24, verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you, but they were startled and frightened. And they thought they saw a spirit, and he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. I love this, how Jesus says, touch me, touch me and see. And I just see him wanting to like, just get it, I'm alive. And they're just, ah, they're not, I don't believe you, but they're in that struggle. Touch me, see. And I love what Luke says in Luke 24, 41. This is just right after the text we just read. It says, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. So they're trying to just figure this out. They're just, wow marveling this is what jesus says he goes you guys have anything to eat what you're alive what's happening you guys have anything to eat they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them and i can just see all the disciples like jesus just just what there's no way 
There's a, a really fascinating book called They Turn the World Upside Down. It actually talks about the disciples by Charles Martin. And this is what he says about this scene in Luke. Charles Martin says, Jesus was standing in front of them, and yet they were marveling and they still disbelieve. It's almost comical at this point, and so Jesus scratches his head and asks himself, what more is it going to take? I know, I'll eat something in their presence, and that will convince them. He chews and he swallows the fish, and I can't help but wonder if some of the disciples crept around behind Jesus to see where the fish went as he chewed it. So again, following our first point, Jesus really revealed himself to the disciples. This was a real thing, and it's important for us as Christians to know this really happened. Jesus really raised from the dead, physical flesh and bone showed up to not only the disciples, but hundreds of others. So Acts 1 says that Jesus, the second thing Jesus did during this 40-day period that we're studying, is he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. We see this in Luke 24, Uh, Jesus is on a road to Emmaus with these people. He hasn't fully revealed himself to them. And it says in verse 20, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, being Jesus, explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And then we see in verse 44, Now Jesus is with the disciples. They've gathered together. And it says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand. Everybody say understand. Understand the scriptures. This is such a cool word. This word understand literally means to take two things and put them together. And what I think about when I look at this original word understand was the disciples knew the Old Testament. They had grown up studying the book of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. They were very familiar with it. And they had just spent three and a half years with Jesus. So they have an understanding of Jesus. They have this understanding of the Old Testament, but they have not really put it together. And Jesus takes it, opens up scripture, and he helps them to understand scripture. This is what Jesus was doing. In order for these disciples to understand Jesus, they needed a paradigm shift. They needed scales to fall off. And when Jesus returned and met with his disciples, he took them through the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I love this in Luke 24, 32. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And this is in reference to the road to Emmaus with these men. Jesus opens up the scriptures to them, and then he leaves, and they're like, my heart is like burning with this scripture, how many of you want your hearts to burn when you read God's word, that it would come alive to you? That's what Jesus is doing with the disciples. He's opening up scripture and he's making, he's saying, this was about me. And they're just sitting there, no way. This was about me, no way. And they can see it. They can see it time after time. Let's look at a couple of examples from, from scripture. There's literally hundreds of these if you follow the parallels, but here's a few. Psalm 40, verse 6 and 8, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. 
And the disciples read that and they go, we love David. You know, David came to do the will of God and Jesus goes, no, 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 that's about me. What? They look at it again and they begin to think that these sacrifices and these burnt offerings are no longer required because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus did the will of the Father and they're going, oh my goodness, Psalm, that was about you. And you'll see here on this next slide we have in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 5 and 6, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore when Christ came into the world, he said, Psalm 40. And he just quotes Psalm 40 and he's realizing that Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 40. Does that make sense? Let's look at another example here. Um, I just love when God opens our eyes to these different texts. Jesus' parables. So Psalm 78, 1 and 2, my people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old. I love the dynamic of this because it's parables, simple. It's a story to help you understand something. Hidden things of old, these ancient things, deep things, but in parable form. That is beautiful to be able to communicate these deep things in simple parables. And Jesus, I just picture him sitting with the disciples in these 40 days, and he's looking at that, and all of a sudden, the disciple Matthew goes, oh my goodness, this is you. You talk in parables. And Jesus just smiles and goes, yeah. And Matthew begins to write the book of Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 13, he says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And Matthew and the disciples begin to catch this. They go, Jesus is found all throughout the Old Testament. Let's look at one more. Uh, Voice preparing the way, the voice in the wilderness. Isaiah 40 says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. And I picture again, the disciples are looking at this text and John the disciple goes, that was John the Baptist. And Jesus kind of goes, you got it. And they're going, whoa. And they look at Isaiah 40 and they begin to see the story of Jesus' time being fulfilled through the Old Testament. And you see that in John 1 when John replied, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. It's so fascinating to me when we do ministry in India that the pastors in India seem to get this better than a lot of the the rest of the globe in my sense is they will preach the gospel from like an Old Testament perspective. If I was to preach the gospel, I would talk about the cross. I would talk about the gospels. I would talk about people who met Jesus throughout the gospel narrative. And what I hear in India, and this is one I heard last February, was uh, they were preaching on the life of Joseph in Genesis, and they were preaching the gospel. And I'm thinking, how are you going to tie in the cross with Joseph, and how is this going to work? And he begins to tell a story, and I'll just share a couple highlights with you. He says he was betrayed by those closest to him. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. His own brothers betrayed him and sold him, and then he goes into prison, and he's humbled. He's low. Nobody knows of him. He's in relative obscurity. And then all of a sudden, he goes from relative obscurity prison to the right hand of Pharaoh, authority, power, leading the nation. And he goes, he's suddenly exalted. And now he comes face to face with the same people who betrayed him. And he has the opportunity to put death on them. 
to say, you deserve death, you sold me, I remember what you did, I'm holding your sins against you. And Joseph begins to weep, and he reveals himself to his brothers, he brings them in, and not only does he have mercy on them and let them live, he says, all that's mine is yours, come into this kingdom. Does that sound like the gospel? And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness. And I'm seeing Jesus in the book of Genesis, And this is what Jesus is doing in these 40 days is he's going through the text with these disciples and he's going, this is about me. I'm the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And they're looking at all of these different realities and the story of Israel and Jesus' seed and his lineage and their minds are being blown by the revelation of Jesus in the Old Testament. It makes me think at, at IREF, one thing we do every other year is we have an optometrist come and give kids glasses. And uh, the children get to receive these new glasses, and there's a process that happens every single time. And what happens is we talk to the students, and they go, I don't really need glasses. I can see okay. I have some headaches. I can't really read well, but I don't, I don't think I really need them. Okay, well, why don't we just do some tests? We bring them in. They try it. They start, man, I really can't read those letters, you know, and they're failing the test. And then all of a sudden, we put the glasses on, and some of them start crying, some of them just, their jaw drops. They, you know, give them a book. They start reading. And then what happens is all the kids outside were afraid to get tested because, you know, it's just unknowns and things they're not used to. And the first kid runs out there and goes, I can see. What? I can, I can see. And he's holding the book and the kids start lining up and this poor optometrist now has, you know, 150 kids wrapped around waiting to see him. And I see this same thing in text where the disciples look at the Old Testament and they go, I can't, it's almost like they see it for the first time in these 40 days with Jesus. And what happens is after they begin to see Jesus in that, they go out into the world to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. And they're just proclaiming, I can see, I can see even the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders needed to hear this message of the revelation and truth of Jesus. You know, it's interesting, my, my wife, Meg, she works uh, at a hospital in our area in Northern Illinois. And she was telling me a story a couple weeks ago of a coworker that she met who has been saved for 15 years and she grew up Hindu and was radically saved. She had an encounter with the Lord, with Jesus, and gave her life to him. It was powerful. And as she starts this Christian walk, again, 15 years ago, she's a new believer. She grabs this Bible and is like, I want to know you, Jesus. Like, if this is the way to do it, listening to sermons, connecting with community. And so she opens this book, and it does not make sense. She's just like, oh. So the next day, she sits, she's reading. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. She goes to her pastor and says, I want to know this book. And it just doesn't make sense. And so her pastor prayed for her, and she went home, and the Lord began to speak to her through his word. And what I loved about hearing that story from my wife, she was so excited just to hear about this woman who had a love for God's word but needed that prayer of breakthrough. What I love about that is this wasn't just during the 40 days that Jesus was with his disciples that he opened their minds to understand scripture. God is still opening up the minds of all of us to understand his word, amen? We all need that. We need that, God, open up my mind. I'm, I don't understand this. 
And one of the ways that God does that is through the Holy Spirit. He gives us his spirit, the spirit of truth, to reveal the truth in his word to us. And this is our third point this morning, that the Lord ordered them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. As the story continues through the Holy Spirit, the Lord today continues the work of opening up our eyes to see Jesus and to meet Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I was studying 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it was talking about these last days. It says, you know, men will be lovers of money, perilous times will come, all of the, just this list of things that will be happening in the last days. But what's interesting is it begins to talk about the believers in those days. And it had two things that really stuck out to me. It said, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. I look like a follower, but I don't walk in it. I deny its power. The second thing it said was always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. And that one really stuck with me because I was just thinking about learning, 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 but there's no truth that transforms my life. And I asked the Lord during a prayer time, I just said, God, how do I get truth where I don't just learn and I'm listening to sermons and I'm taking the different courses that are available to me, which are important, I want truth that transforms my life when I leave the class, when I leave the church. How do I get truth that's solid? And the Lord took me to John 16, 13, and Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will reveal the hidden things of God. I love that. And I began processing that. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And it's the Holy Spirit that the disciples needed to continue to follow Christ. You know, growing up, uh, in the north suburbs of Chicago, I was a big Cubs fan, and I would always get these baseball cards. I loved baseball cards. I brought three Sammy Sosa cards with me today, but I could have brought 50 of them. I'd just start, you know, throwing them out. And, uh, you know, Sammy Sosa was one of my heroes when I was a kid, and I would have these baseball cards. And what I would do, you know, on just a normal afternoon when kids are running around playing, I would just sit on the couch and read the backs of the cards. So I'd look, you know, okay, and 1994, Sammy Sosa hit 25 home runs, okay, and, you know, and I'd be studying those. And I remember it became a thing in our family where, you know, we'd be with our cousins, and my parents would say, hey, ask Trey how many home runs Sammy Sosa hit. doesn't matter the year. Go ahead. Trey, how many home runs did Sammy have in 98? I just blurted out. How many, how many doubles? I just knew everything about Sammy Sosa. It was hilarious to our family. And on the back of this card today that I have with me, I could tell you Sammy is six foot, weighs 210. He probably doesn't weigh 210 now, you know, 15, 20 years later. But he was born November 12th. He plays the outfield. He's right-handed. And I could tell you all about Sammy Sosa. But I'll tell you what, I, I don't know anything really about Sammy Sosa. I couldn't tell you his life, what he likes, what he doesn't. And I think there's a lot of us in the church that we know the backs of the baseball cards when it comes to our faith. Man, I, I could tell you that, you know, Jesus had these 40 days with the disciples. These are the three things he did. I could break all of this down to you, but is it changing my life personally? I could tell you, you know, some of us, we, we share, here's four steps to have a great marriage, and we show them scripture, and the person that we're ministering to walks away going, wow, that was powerful. And then we go home to our broken marriage, that we need transformation in our own life. Or we take people to say, hey, here's how to pray powerfully, but then in my own life, I'm struggling in the area of prayer. 
And we're not just knowing the backs of the baseball card, but we're knowing the Lord himself, not just about the Lord. Does that make sense? And I think the, the step, if we're looking at 2 Timothy, is not just learning, 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 but to get that truth that changes your life is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew this. He said, I'm leaving. This end of the 40 days, I'm gone. But the Holy Spirit is going to reveal these things to you, the hidden things of God. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that the disciples were able to go out and change the world for Christ. The Holy Spirit is the difference between disciples who are locked in a room afraid of the world and disciples that change the world. It's the Holy Spirit. So let's review this morning the three things that we see Jesus doing at the last week of our What's the Big Deal series. These were the three things that we see from Acts 1. Number one, he presented himself alive. No more doubts. No more doubts. And here's the thing that I love is the disciples didn't ignore those doubts. Sometimes we're taught just don't bring it up, just go around the doubt, and then you'll end up where you need to be. And Jesus actually had them go right through those doubts. And here's why that's important. When you deal with your doubts, on the other end of that is deep conviction. And I don't know about you, but when there's a deep conviction, I believe this, I used to doubt it, I worked through it, and on the other end of it, there was conviction. Jesus took the disciples on that journey of doubt. They worked through their doubt. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God, a new mind and a new lens to understand his kingdom. Maybe some of us were just struggling with confusion when it comes to the word of God. And I just want to encourage you to, to reach out and to ask someone, hey, just pray for me. I'm struggling to connect with this book. And I want this book, just as the disciples said, I want my heart to burn when I'm finished reading this book for the Lord. And here's the third and final one. Jesus ordered them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Empowers us to live for him. No more fear, no more shame. The disciples were ready to go out and to change the world for the gospel of Christ. They were ready to be conduits of hope for Jesus after they went through this process. And so as we close today's service, I wanna look at these three things and um, just take a moment and close your eyes. I'm just gonna kind of talk through these and just ask the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, for even our, our online community, just to in your home, on your couch, wherever you are, just close your eyes right now. We're just gonna ask, some of us might be in a great place with the Lord right now, and that's amazing. Others of us, are there areas of doubt in our hearts where we look at this story of the resurrection and yeah, that happened years ago, but what about my life? What about my story? Where is God today? Is God real? Holy Spirit, would you just reveal those areas of doubt? Not that we would ignore them and go around them, but help us to go through the areas of doubt so we can have breakthrough. What about confusion? Just like my wife's coworker who was saved, she loved Jesus, she believed in Jesus, but she struggled with God's word. Are you struggling to connect with the word of God? Have you started a New Year's plan and now you're in April and you're kind of just weary and uh, falling off a little bit? God, we ask that for those that are uh, dealing with that, that their hearts would burn for you. Even as they read their 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 Bibles this week, God, I just ask for revelation of who you are and your love in the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that the word of God is living and active. This final one, these disciples were afraid uh, before the Holy Spirit. They were afraid to go into Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. And some of you feel like you have a message from the Lord for this culture 
for your community here in Kalamazoo, maybe for your family or people that don't know the Lord, and you're just afraid. There's a lack of courage in your life. And Lord, right now, just for anyone who's feeling that, Lord, I just ask for fresh courage, fresh faith. God, I thank you that you are stronger than the enemy, that you are are powerful, and that you have given us your spirit, the Holy Spirit, to overcome. And so I just encourage, uh, encourage those people, Lord, today that may be struggling with that. And just as we close this morning, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We thank you that you took the time to be with these disciples, that you are alive today, Lord. We celebrate your resurrection, even now, a week after Easter, that you are still alive, and we celebrate that, Lord. Pray for every person here, uh, both in the sanctuary and online, uh, that we would go from this time, from this meeting, to be conduits of hope for Kalamazoo, for this region, for our family, for our loved ones, Lord. Would you use us and would you lead us this week? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, it's great to be with you guys this week. I actually get to be back for the missions month next month, so I'm excited to see you guys again. Uh, For those watching online, we have a comment box. If you want prayer, uh, you can just fill out the comment box and we would love to pray with you. And for everyone here, uh, if you like prayer, I'm gonna stand over here in the front and you're welcome to come up and we can pray socially distanced and masked. I'd love to pray for you if the Lord's doing a work in your heart. But otherwise, you guys are dismissed and I hope you guys have a great weekend and a great week. God bless.